There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 18 Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Blog Talk Radio. That's enough of that. Not in the mood for any ramming yet tonight. It's going to be a very angry show. It's your boy 3K. Look, this has been an emotional weekend for me, all right? The Rams lost an incredibly chippy game in Carolina. We saw touchdowns dropped. We saw fumbles handed off. We saw a knee. A knee that was connected to Sam Bradford's leg. That was connected to the rest of his body. That was connected to the rest of the season. Broken, snapped, and swiggened. It's so emotional I'm making up words. But look, I'm trying to summon the right kind of... Uh, hold on, let me get some more random. Let me get some of that sweet random beat. Oh, God. IT. R-A-M. That's better. I feel better. All right. Get it together, Joe. Get it together. All right. There's going to be a fun episode of Tertia Radio. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make the right kind of effort. I know I've got to. I've got my 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 notes for the night. Let's see what producer Douglas Morrison, everybody's favorite, Dougie M, has sent me for the notes for tonight. Jokes. Be positive. You know what? Screw you, Doug. I don't like the way you talk to me right now. All right. I'm just trying to hold all of it together and keep perspective, all right? I'm alive. The Rams still have uniforms and cleats. I've still got all my toes, all right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Let's check the other foot. Eight, nine, nine. Oh, God. Oh, God, it's all over. It's all over. Ah, snap out of it, 3K. This is Tershaw Radio. This is not what the people want. The people want to talk about the Rams, and they want to have a good time, and damn it, that's what we're going to do. We're going to press on, just like the Rams will. Um, I, I believe there's a saying in Showtime, the show must, the show must, the show must fluoride. I don't know. I don't, I'm not an actor, but I know that there's some kind of saying and we're going to hold tight to that saying tonight on Tershaw Radio. we got a fun show. I'm just screwing around. I'm a moron. But it's a good time to be a moron. we got to find some levity. we got to find some jokes. we got to find some goofiness. we got to find a catharsis to get ourselves out of this because it was an interesting game. We'll get to that in a second. Fun show tonight. We've got uh, Luke Verheim. I don't know if he goes by the full Deutsch pronunciation of that. We'll get with Luke in a minute from field goals. That's 915 to 940. Following Luke from field goals, we got our own Mike D coming in to talk about some Rams, some fantasy football. If there was ever a week for Mike to be positive, 
this might be it, Mike, we need you tonight. And then following it up, it's my old friend, Kenny Stein from Field Goals. If you guys don't know Kenny, you're missing out on a hilarious human being. I'm going to throw some Seahawks fans barbs at him, and we'll see how he takes it. Because I don't know if you know this, but all Seahawks fans are ugly. They also eat babies. So we're going to have a great show tonight on Treasure Radio, and we're going to focus on the positives. Let's try to start with some positives that came out of Carolina. Number one, we scored some points. Uh, Number two, Tavon Austin looked useful, although the rest of the team made his touchdown useless. Number three, uh, Greg Zerline didn't miss any field goals. That's good. Uh, Number four, Jeff Fisher's mustache looks perfectly quaffed, as always. It's tough. It's tough to put a lot of positives on this because, obviously, the injury to Sam Bradford colors everything. Not necessarily with negativity, but the the questions that go along with this, you know, how do you put a season together without a real quarterback? Um, You know, how do you uh, look toward – a 2013-14 offseason, I guess just a 2014 offseason, whatever. I know we're not already in the offseason. Don't blame me. An offseason where, you know, you got to figure out Sam Bradford's situation, uh, despite some of the rhetoric and the quotes that we're getting out of Jeff Fisher and some people from Rams camp. You know that Sam Bradford's contract is not the uh, salary cap friendliest out there in the NFL. So tough questions at quarterback. And with as many draft picks as the Rams have, they've got some tough decisions to make. That's something we'll be focusing on at the end of the show, as always, with our draft focus. But back to Carolina, you had a defense that showed up at some point. Sure, you had the Janoris Jenkins uh, rug-sniffing moment against Steve Smith, I guess, per his parlance. Um, His being Steve Smith, not Janoris Jenkins. As we know, Janoris Jenkins is always strip club ready. Um. And you also had, you know, some of those cushion moments that looked a little bit off. But there there were some good things. I thought Brian Schottenheimer called a pretty strong game. I know there were some people who were upset at the goal line calls when we started off first and goal from the four. I thought it was more on execution. And I I think a lot of times what happens is when you get a poor result, it's easy to go back and say, well, why did you try the play action instead of running it? Well, because the play actions worked, and there's no reason to think that with this offensive line that a run would necessarily be all that successful. Um, I guess we'll have to see next time, you know, with more opportunities, and really that's what the Rams need is just some opportunities, and to figure out how they're going to get those moving forward is a little bit of a trickier question, but if they can, maybe we'll see that run from the one-yard line. Maybe we'll see something a little bit tighter that makes it easier uh, for the Rams to switch some things up offensively. In terms of where we go from here, I don't really have a lot of great answers. You know we're going to talk about it at Churchill Times, and that's part of the nature of a democratic blog or community, as I like to call it, at Churchill Times, that everybody gets a chance to get on the record. And, you know, we've seen from the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comments that have already been thrown out there, we've all got ideas, we've all got, you know, ways to get through this and what we're looking at for the rest of this 2013, sitting at three and four. You know, I I saw a graphic earlier today. Um, I was at a giant army convention with guns aplenty. Oh, the guns and the bullets and the tanks and the helicopters and the war making. It was everywhere. But as I was getting my lunch, uh, having a delicious cheeseburger via Shake Shack, one of America's America's greatest creations, I saw a... uh, Graphic they put together on ESPN, I guess, during the midday programming, whatever the hell that is, because I don't watch a ton of ESPN anymore outside of their actual game broadcast. They had a uh, you know playoff contention graphic. You know one of these where they show everybody who, if the playoffs started today, here's who gets the bye, here's 
who gets into the playoffs, here's who's on the bubble or on the cusp, whatever. Um, and they had a bunch of three and four teams for the AFC. So if you look at it from that perspective and try to put the same kind of graphic together for the NFC, technically the Rams, you know, and, and that's the reality. You're still you still got a season left to play. But without Sam Bradford and with the options uh, that they are going to likely be dealing with some combination of Kellen Clemens, Brady Quinn, and Austin Davis, the latter two were signed and brought in today to uh, fill in at quarterback for the St. Louis Rams. They're going to have to find a way to do things. It doesn't look good. There's a reason why Brady Quinn was passed over by most teams. There's a reason why Austin Davis was available to get back. There's a reason why Kellen Clemens made Bernie Kosar look more like the sage and less of a rage at the time that he made his comments in the preseason. It's just not looking good right now. But that's the nature of the NFL. You don't have a lot of teams that have backup quarterbacks that inspire a ton of confidence in the fan base. We're just going to have to see what happens. I think more than anything, we're going to have to see the defense step up. We're going to have to see the defense put the team on the shoulders like they did a lot of times last year and say, look, we're going to keep you in the game. you just got to find ways to make plays. And the reality is that's not going to come from the quarterback in all likelihood. So you're going to have to get plays out of guys like Tavon Austin, Jared Cook, and Chris Givens. And who knows what we can get out of Zach Sason moving forward out of the running game. If we can continue to get some movement there, maybe it opens things up, but we're going to have to get some plays out of the offense. And it's just not likely going to come from the quarterback. But we are going to get a good call coming from the 918. I think I know who this is. It may be our man, Free Wheel, opening things up as he usually does. This is Wheel. What's going on? You're on Churchill Radio. Hey, man. Hey, what's uh, up, brother? I oh, got not, 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 your, hey, your hey, man can't be that sad. Hey, man. Uh, just sitting here <laughs> thinking about life. Uh, you got to come with it. We're trying to make this an optimistic show, man. We're trying, that's going to be the theme of the show tonight, optimism. Hit me with some optimism, yeah. Wheel. What's going on, man? Okay. Uh, well, I watched part of the game. I uh, didn't have time to watch all of it. Um, and good thing I wasn't paying attention to the threats on Sunday because World War Three followed by World War Four would happen. Uh, from what I understand, there was a lot of uh, trolls from the opposite team, and I don't put up with that. I have a tendency to defend myself. I don't. I'm not a classy guy. Um, <laughs> but um, you know. Uh, it's bad that Bradford got hurt. It's horrendous. And it's even worse that the player that did it celebrated. That's just ridiculous. But anyway, um, I'm not even going to touch on the Carolina Panthers fans. That's just this is what it is. Uh, I guess my theory, unfortunately, of any quarterback can play in the system is going to be tested. Um, by Clemens, I didn't, from my understand, he did get to play a little bit. I didn't see that part. I don't know how if he did good or not. From my understand, he didn't. Um, what they need to do, all he needs to do, in my opinion, okay, is hand it off to to, Stax, to Zach Stacy for most of the time, and then when if play action happens, to toss it. That's all he needs to do. What we need from him is the short tosses, the check downs. But we don't need long, fancy route tosses, okay? This isn't a spread offense. This isn't a power running offense. All he needs to do is hand it off to Zach Stacy. If he can do that, then there's a chance. Um, but you're right. Our defense needs to step up, and I think they will. I did see some positives during the first, half, during the first quarter and part of the second one. I could watch it. And the defense was bringing it. 
in my opinion. Uh, and the offense, of course, was clicking, but that was with Bradford. Um, so they do need to step up, and I think they will. Um, we'll see what happens during the, the game, you know. Now, we'll uh, usually I wait to – yeah, of course, I'm still here, man. Um, usually I wait till you finish to do this, but it's time for the Kevin Clemens nuclear alarm get down wheel. Oh God! Yeah. Oh God! Yeah. Oh, I can't breathe. Oh, Kellen Clemens, Russian cloud. Oh, save the children! Save the children! Oh, oh God, it's over. All right, you get your you get your yeah. wish with Kellen Clemens, man. And I think most people would agree. Um. You know, you're going to have to simplify some of the offense. You're going to have to tighten things up because you don't want to give him too many opportunities to, to, I guess, screw things up and turn it over. But I think a lot of this is going to be on the defense. Now, I think one of the big questions I have, and I haven't seen a lot of this on the site, and I'm going to try to put something together tomorrow about this for everybody who's not catching the show live. And if you're not, well, I hope that nuclear bomb gets you. Um, Is the defense and the attitude. I think a lot of times what we saw from the defense last year was the attitude and a lot of that, let's be honest, a lot of that came from Cortland Finnegan as maybe the attitude leader on the field to say, look, we're going to take it to these guys. It's going to be physical. It's going to be chippy, but we're going to win. They tried that yesterday, and they ended up losing on all fronts. What do you want to see from this defense moving forward the next couple of weeks? From what, for whatever reason, they could get they seem to get good in one area and horrible in the other, meaning – Either they're good at pass defense and they're and then they're horrible at run defense, or they're great at run defense and horrible at pass. It makes no sense. It's illogical. I need to see balance. I need to, you know, I need to see uh, Ogletree and Brocker step up, Quinn step up. If you can put pressure on the quarterback, I don't care who the quarterback's going to be. If you put pressure on the quarterback, and that's the key to me, that's the key. That's what the defense has to do right there for the next couple of weeks is put pressure on the quarterback. And that quarterback will throw interceptions. They'll start getting happy feet, throw it faster than they want to throw it. Um, you know, well, when I say faster, I mean quicker. You know, that's what I want to see is Quinn getting – Quinn, and not just Quinn, but Brockers too, and, and Long and and, and Nice to get after the quarterback – because if you get in his face or, you know, there's going to be – the other team's going to have problems. Because that's – it's like a car, to use Doug's analogy here, or yours, whoever. Uh, it, it, does, it starts with the quarterback, and it goes from there. If you can get at the quarterback, you'll disrupt everything else. You know what I'm saying? Sure, of course. Oh. Um, and, of course, stopping the pass and the run, but I don't have any. They'll either do one or the other, but not both. But if they can get at the quarterback, there's a chance to create more damage than necessary. So, what, what if they can, What if the, some of these teams, and even the Seahawks, I think this is a definite possibility, what if they come out and run something similar to the Kellen Clemens-led offense where everything is quick and the, the defensive ends and even Michael Brockers coming out of the middle doesn't have a ton of time? to be able to get to the quarterback. What, what do you need to see out of the linebackers, but especially the secondary in terms of tightening things up? Do you want them to be more aggressive? And we've seen that more and more as the season's gone on, that they're getting rid of some of that cushion. Yeah. It, it, obviously, there's some situations where they're still leaving it out there, and I think, 
you know, the, a lot of it is situational where when, as soon as the other team sees that, they know that they're prepared to do something about it. Um, what do you want to see maybe from the linebackers and the secondary beyond just blitzing and getting to the quarterback? Well, is it about attitude or is it about production? Let me put it like that. Well, production. Uh, they've got attitude. Janoris has got attitude up the yin yang, and we all attitude. know about Corlin Finnegan. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so attitude isn't the problem; it's execution, and some of it is. I don't think their fault necessarily. I think uh, let's put it okay. Jenkins, this is what his second year in the system. Okay, so he's still learning somewhat. But Finnegan, he just needs to execute. For whatever reason, he's not able to do that. He needs to execute and um, don't worry about getting into their heads. Just worry about getting the player when it, you know when it's necessary. But uh, some of it is the play calling. The sure. secondary may be suffering for, from play calling. You can cover up play calling in the with the, with uh, in the front because their job is mainly to disrupt the quarterback, stop the run, or stop the pass, whatever the case might be. But in the secondary, the play calling matters. And if you're not if 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 the coordinator is not doing such a hot job, they're going to be pro- You're going to see that in the secondary. You're going to see that problem in the secondary. In my opinion, that's you know. And I think that's what it, we're seeing is execution. They need to execute, but also they need to make the right play calls, and I don't think they are, you know. Yeah. Does that make sense? Well, good stuff. <laughs> no, it definitely makes sense. I think it's going to be interesting. I think Cortland Finnegan is maybe one of the more interesting storylines moving forward as he gets back from injury. Yeah. Definitely going to be interesting to see how he reincorporates himself with the team because obviously you've got a before and after situation both in terms of the Rams as a whole, but also for Corlin. Hey, free wheel, thanks for calling in, man. Uh, we're going to start moving on and get some of these calls, but I appreciate you getting in. All right. Have a good one. Free wheel getting us started, as always, on Tertial Radio. Good to hear from him. Uh, time, to, time to interface with the enemy. Everybody get your game face on. It's time to get serious. It's time to go underneath. It's time to go deep. It's time to get in with our man, Luke Werheim. I'm going to make sure I'm pronouncing that right because I don't want to insult him on the pronunciation of his name, only the fandom that he alleges to the Seattle Seahawks. Luke, what's going on? You're on Tertiary Radio, my man. Hey, man. Uh, not much. No, it's pronounced Werheim. Werheim. So it's not the uh, traditional uh, East German Werheim. You're welcome to go there if you'd like to. It's acceptable. So what you're say, what you're saying is, as a Seahawks fan and as a person, you have no respect for tradition. You have no understanding of loyalty. Uh, no, I'm just messing with you, man. <laughs> I'm just going around. I know when I keep Kenny, I'm, like, I'm, I'm trying like to save every generation. <laughs> I'm trying to save everything up for Kenny because I know he's not going to take it personal. You know, we've never hung out before and done any kind of SBN content, so I don't want you to take any of this personally. It's just that I hate your football team and everything they stand for, and I hope their babies. Uh, get a fort in their eye. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just playing, man. It's all going to be fun. And as always, the main thing, I pray for no injuries, but I think that's the biggest thing that we're dealing with right now is the injury to Sam Bradford. How do you think uh, – what, what have you seen from Seahawks fan? Have you guys – I mean, you had to have talked about a little bit on the site. 
just in terms of NFC West awareness, what, what, did you guys have any reaction to the Sam Bradford injury? Uh, there's, there's mostly, you know, sad. I mean, we're Seahawks fans, but we have respect for human beings, you know, and you never sure. like to see somebody go down and get injured, you know. See, I, I wanted to give you a chance to air that out so that, you know, as Rams fans, we're not big fans of the Seahawks and, yeah, I want to make sure that we understand that you guys at field goals are good people, and even though you're Seahawks fans, we can all be friends. And you know, moving forward, we don't necessarily hey. have to poison all your drinks. What's up? Hey, you know, when 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 the game starts till when the game ends, you know, it's game on. Uh, but uh, everything in between can be as civil as we can make it. Well said, my man. And as always, expected from field goals commentary. Uh, very well said. That being the case, still hate you guys. I'm looking forward to Monday night. Uh, give me a sense of what you guys have been going through the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, obviously six and one, kind of the class of the NFC, and really kind of what people expected out of Seattle this year. But maybe things have looked better at times and a little bit more stumbly at times. You know, you started off real big with a, that win in San Francisco after a confusing game in Carolina where you got the win, but. You know, the overtime win in Houston, loss on the road to Indianapolis, things looked a bit shaky. But these last two weeks, the wins against Tennessee and Arizona, things seem to be coming together. What is the sense of where this team's at right now? Uh, you know, it's things are mostly good uh, and certainly looking up. Uh, the last couple games have had kind of some moments where you're scratching your head, wondering, you know, what's this guy thinking or, you know, coaching decisions like that uh, – field goal return against Tennessee with the crazy, I'm sure, sure you saw the goofy-ass play. Uh, anyways, you know, moments that make you feel really frustrated, and, and maybe part of that's just because there's been so much success this year and there's so much confidence and high expectations that, like, even the little things kind of you start to get kind of nitpicky. Um, but, you know, Percy Harvin's coming back. He practiced today for the first time. I don't think he's going to play this Monday. Um, somebody on Twitter, uh, one of the coaches, was quoted as saying, you know, don't bet against him, uh, but certainly seems unlikely at this point. Um, but even moving forward, with him coming back, uh, that's a good thing. Russell Okun can't even come back practice. He's our left tackle. Uh, can't come back right. for a couple of weeks, I think. So uh, that's probably actually, for me, uh, a bigger deal, Russell Okung than Percy, uh, just because our offensive line has been such a such a big problem lately. Um, pass opposing pass talk rushes of, have. Well, yeah, I was going to say talk about that offensive line a little bit because I know you know Breno Giacomini has been dropped a little bit right because of injury, and obviously Russell Okung's out, but. You know, Paul McQuist and James Carpenter, have they formed a solid unit over on the left side? I'm a big fan of Max Unger in the middle, and J.R. Sweezy, even if he's not a great player, has one of my favorite names in the NFL. Give, give us a sense of where this offensive line's at going into this game. It's not so great, man. Uh, it's been tough. It's been it's been tough to watch lately. You know, Okun went down in week two, and uh, he's a right. dud, although, you know, Okun's uh, – sorry, Unger in the middle is uh, – arguably the best lineman, um, although maybe not the most important position. Um, but McQuiston at left tackle has looked terrible. He has been the bane of your average Seahawks fan's existence. Uh, Twitter feeds all Sunday afternoon are just filled with uh, 
profanity and his last name. It's it's been really frustrating. Um, if we didn't have a mobile quarterback like we do, somebody you know, Russ is very good at, at moving around when he needs to and taking off and running. I think he leads uh, all quarterbacks in the NFL in rushing yards. Uh, if if not, he's very close to it. Um, and a lot of that is not designed. I'll tell you that he's a uh, he's been on the move, um, and it's it's. It's it's been frustrating. We're really looking forward to getting everybody back and healthy. Let's put it that way. Right, and, and I guess that speaks to something. My last question, kind of pertaining to the offense, is something that I wanted to touch on. Was maybe the last time a lot of Rams fans saw Russell Wilson and the Seahawks because you know our games overlap so much and so often. Maybe not you know in the prime time games, but uh, for Sundays we don't get a good look at him. What has changed between the offense and the last time we saw him when the Seattle Seahawks were in the playoffs? Has there been any shift in, you know, scheme? Is it just down to the personnel and maybe the offensive line has changed some things up the last couple of weeks? Or is this really kind of the same Seattle Seahawks offense that we saw the last couple of weeks going into the playoffs last year? Uh, you know, they ran a lot more of the read option stuff. You know, that last half of last season was like, they were pretty prolific on offense. Uh, and th- this year so far, it's been kind of underwhelming, the use of that. They haven't really mixed in as much. Um, and I, I'm not sure why. I know Pete Carroll's really like a, a second half of the year championship kind of guy. Like, he really focuses on that. Um, so it strikes me as a possibility that he's really just kind of waiting, especially with Percy Harvin coming back. Maybe not a lot of cause to switch second gear, especially when we're kind of chugging along uh, anyways. I mean, we're 6-1, and one, so it's not like they're, they're lacking in success you know, on offense. They're finding ways to score points and win games. Uh, so sure. as long as that's working, why get too creative? I mean, I can see that where that might be his mindset. Um, but the offense has not really looked great. Um, Russell's looked good enough, but the offensive line, having so much trouble with opposing pass rushes that, uh, you know, there's there's never been a really consistent for a whole game feel like the offense is just, firing on all cylinders. You know, there's been moments where you you see something and you're like, that is that is what we were last year. You know, you see it. But uh, right. consistent stretches, in my opinion, it hasn't really been there. Um, you know, and there's excuses to make. Like I said, offensive line, uh, wide receivers out, you know, this or that. But uh, ultimately, you know, it, it hasn't been hasn't been as good, I guess. And it, and yet, as you say, you guys are six and one. How, how much of that just comes down to defense? Is that really where this team is at? Is that the defense is good enough to carry them for most games that they're going to be playing? Yeah, it keeps them. It keeps them in it while they kind of take over. You know, this is kind of a fourth quarter team, um, minus the Colts game where that where the Colts team just took over in the fourth quarter. Um, but typically, what what the Seahawks do, they you know they kind of hammer you. Hammer you chug away for the first three quarters, and by the fourth quarter, it seems to kind of have a, a real gassed feel to them. Uh, and the defense is, you know, it drives that because it keeps the game close. You know, we had uh, mishaps against the Colts and against the Titans where they got free points early through kind of like blunders, mishaps, blocked field goals, stuff like that. And the defense keeps that from feeling like a big deal in the moment. Even in the moment, you're like, all right, well, we've still got control of the game, and they're not going to put any points on the board if we don't screw it up again. So there's kind of a 
a control factor there that, that's provided by the defense. And then when you get to the fourth quarter, you know, Russell Wilson kind of makes stuff happen. That's kind of been the the equation, so to speak, for victory. Uh, like I said, minus the Colts game where it just didn't happen that way. And has there been any big change to the defense? I mean, obviously the personnel is pretty much the same, right? Um, has there been anybody that's really improved after 2013, or excuse me, after through the 2012 season to now? Has there been anybody that you can say, look, this guy's really moving up, and this is one of the big reasons that this defense is even better than it was last year? There's, there's a well, there's there was a couple additions. Uh, Michael Bennett came over at defensive end from Tampa Bay, and he's kind of a kind of a bigger, thicker guy. They they can move him inside and outside, but he provides good pass rush. Uh, depth, and then Cliff Averill came over from Detroit, who's kind of more of the outside pass rusher. Uh, so those two combined with Chris Clemens coming back, and he finally came back from his injury uh, so. that he had last uh, during the playoffs. Um, so the depth at, pass, at the at the pass rushing positions all along the defensive line has has been a pretty big part of the defense kind of uh, stepping up a little. Not that it was, I mean, it was great defense last year. But there were moments, you know, on the third downs, you know, like uh, against the Falcons, the, that last 30 seconds of the game where Matt Ryan drove right down to score, it, the pass rush was – it was unable to stop that from happening. You run those deeper routes and they couldn't get there. And even when your defensive backfield is as great as the Seahawks' defensive backfield is, inevitably you're going to get beat on some of those deeper routes where receivers have time to, to run developing route combinations. So uh, that's probably been the biggest improvement this year is just getting more guys in that can cycle through and stay fresh and always be rushing the passer at a, at a higher level. Uh, that and Bruce Irvin, our first-round pick last year, uh, they've, they've planned him at uh, outside linebacker. And he's he's looked pretty comfortable back there, and he provides a pretty good pass rush on blitzes from from the linebacker position, uh, which you know, like, to just to continue the thought, that only increases your effectiveness as a defense against the pass. Um, so, I mean, the defense has improved. The numbers might not look greatly improved, uh, but just watching the team function on defense, drives are getting stopped more consistently because of uh, third down stops. I'd say. Good stuff. Hey, everybody, you're listening to Turtle Radio. It's your boy, 3K. Uh, just a mid-interview update. We're on with Luke Wareheim. Well, it was Wareheim, correct? It is Wareheim. Hold on. Wareheim. I hate to I, – I, I, I know you don't know, but uh, Ryan Van Biver, who actually runs Turtle Times, used to be on with me, and he could never get – he's one of those guys that could never get names right. So instead of calling you Luke Wareheim, he'd call you like Lily Verheimer or something like that. He would always mess up people's names. So I try to I try to make sure you know as we move to a, a more professional, although all, you know profanity laden and absolutely nonsensical tertiary radio, that we get people's names right. So it's Luke Wareheim on with us uh, from Field Goals. Luke, you got a Twitter handle, man? I do. It's uh, at my hawk so fly. My uh, hawk so fly. Indeed. My yeah. Hawks will fly to Luke Wareheim. Uh, again, the number to call in is 347-857-1022. A couple more questions I got for Luke. Uh, <clears throat> you know, talking about this team, I think the, the reality is you guys are understandably one of the best teams in the NFC. What is the expectation at this point? Uh, you know, going into this season, you guys had probably some high expectations, but now that you're 6-1, and one, is, it, is it 
you know, we need to get to the playoffs and see when we get there, or is it starting to coalesce where you guys are saying, look, we need to, this is a year where we need to have success in the playoffs or we're going to waste a good opportunity? Uh, you know, there was a general sense that the Super Bowl was a very real possibility in the preseason here. Um, I always try to remain a little guarded with stuff like that just because I'm so optimistic that my hopes get real high. Uh, but at this point – We don't do guarded um, on Turchel Radio, Luke. I, I want to hear Super Bowl or tell me <laughs> hey, who's first well, child. I'm, you're gonna I'm getting – I am getting to, to that part because I'm a little less guarded at this point. Uh, going 6-1 and one with how many – kind of just uh, – Junky, the offense has felt at times, you know, and with how many people have been out, uh, both defensively and offensively, uh, I I fully expect the Super Bowl. You know, there's the the 49ers are playing well and the Saints are playing well, um, but either of those teams, if they have to come through Seattle, aren't gonna. I don't believe they'll win. I I think you better get home field in the NFC if you're gonna beat the Seahawks at this point. Having watched them at home, they just—it's just too difficult to win up here. I just don't think that there's any team in the NFC that's capable of doing it. Um, I will capable of doing it and going to do it are kind of two separate things. I would not put money on anybody to beat the Seahawks in the playoffs. That's better up here. That's better. That's yeah. what we like on Twitter. We we don't want any of this guarded optimism or any of this careful. No, I, you know, well, let's wait and see. No, I want if we don't make this Super Bowl. I'm going to sell my kneecaps, and that will be the end of that. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, look, looking that's, at that's maybe the front office. We're that <laughs> It's a kneecap. It's going to be a kneecap driving too. Uh, looking at the front office and the coaching staff, obviously with the team playing as well as they have, I, I don't expect a lot of uh, discomfort from the fans. What what is? How do you guys gauge where you're at in terms of, obviously, you know, Pete Carroll coming in with a, what's a good way to put this, storied history? Right, and we've got a, a, a lot of yeah. LA-based Rams fans who are USC fans, and understandably, they have some feelings about Pete Carroll. I guess is one yeah. way to put it. But you know, you guys are yeah, engaging him as as a head coach of the Seattle Seahawks, and I think hey, I'd be surprised if you guys had a lot of bad feelings about him. That being said, you got a, a front office that has put things together really well from the top down. You know, Paul Allen at the top, and you know, with the general manager, John Schneider, seems to have done a really great job trying to put the pieces together for you guys. How do you guys feel about what you've got from the coaching staff in the front office? Uh, sorry, I got momentarily distracted by a comment that, on your on your webpage here. Um, just, just as a – Which comment? Which comment was it? They're, they're commenting on my uh, my Twitter handle. They're over here. Uh, it's, well, it's my hawk so fly, right? Yeah, well, I, I don't, <laughs> I'll, I'll reserve comment for for a later date. But go ahead. <laughs> Anyways, no to to anybody listening that's a USC fan. Just for the record, I despise the NCAA's treatment of uh, student athletes and the whole money thing. Anyways, um, so if, if I just had one comment on that, it's that I if if it were my world, there would have never been any sanctions on USC. Anyways, in the first place, so. Uh, just to get to get that out of the way, I do. I apologize to everybody who was hurt by that situation. Apology um, accepted, because it, really <laughs> it was your apology to give. I think now everything's been cleared. Hey, okay, you know, Reggie like, Bush just got his, well, like, Reggie Bush just got his Heisman back. Luke Wareheim apologized. <laughs> hey, right? Yeah. 
one small moral victory for USC Trojan fans five years later. That's what it's all about, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, no, we uh, we we do love. You know, there was some skepti- skepticism up here when he came up here, but uh, you know, most of that's been wiped away. He still calls some goofy stuff sometimes in games. Uh, has moments where it kind of seems like a goofy old guy, but uh, for the most part. I definitely think uh, everybody's bought in. You know, the players bought in first. We saw the players buy in, and we were like, well, there's nothing left but for us to buy in, and they're succeeding. So, you know, why not, man? I mean, he seems to have it going on, especially defensively. He takes takes, uh, has-beens and mismatched parts from other teams and forms a top-five NFL defense. And, you know, it's just – it's been really fun to watch, truthfully. Uh, and then what, what are you looking forward to on Monday? I mean, it's Monday night football, so obviously it's going to be the national focus, although with the Rams playing without Sam Bradford, I, you know, the ratings are going to drop. It's not going to be one of those games that uh, is going to pull the same kind of audience that a lot of Monday night football games do. But in terms of the play on the field, what are you looking forward to? What do you think the Seahawks need to do to make sure that they put this away? And, and what are you worried about that the Rams can either do or take advantage of from a Seahawks you know the biggest the biggest thing as far as going into the game that I'm excited for is uh i I always just generally like prime time games um being up in the northwest, we always feel you know if you look at a map of n f l teams it's like just a big cluster f on the east coast of logos of teams, you know, and then you head out west and there's like a bunch of them in California, and then a spot up in the very northwest. And we always feel really ignored up here. It's just kind of our general feeling over the last, like, 15 years or so that I've been a fan of the team. And uh, it's always just really nice to feel like everybody's watching your team. So as far as primetime games in general, that's my biggest thing. Um, But what what the Rams need to do, in my opinion, is take advantage of what I talked about earlier – uh, that offensive line is is having issues. Uh, you know, Unger has had some snapping snafus. He's he's got a. I don't know if he's injured or what, or if there's something that's that's going on. But even before he was out with the injury, he had some some snaps that Russell Wilson really had to dig down for. And combine that with the pass protection issues in general. Uh, add that to the fact that the Rams have some strength at, at, at pass rushing positions, you know, Robert Quinn and Chris Long, who is my favorite Ram, by the way, if I'm, I hope I don't get myself disowned by Seahawks fans. Uh, he punched but I was people. totally one. I was totally won over by Chris Long's uh, response to the uh, Houston fans booing Matt Schaub or cheering him when he was injured or whatever. Sure. When he got on Twitter, you know, kind of shamed him. Uh, I I appreciated that. Uh and then, you know, the the punch thing last week, I'm kind of endeared to that kind of stuff too. Um anyways, uh those guys, if they want to beat the Seahawks, are definitely gonna have to have big games. Uh they're gonna have to really just put put a clamp on a few big third downs on Seahawks drives with sacks, maybe you know, cause a fumble. We've had fumble issues uh, with Russell Wilson getting blindside hits where the ball comes out. Um, he's got a couple, a couple now. Big has turnovers. Had, what is it, five, yeah. five oh, yeah. he's, or something like that? He's put, he's put the ball on, I, I don't know the exact stats, but five would not surprise me. 
uh, if he's put it on the ground five times, I believe it. So uh, you're gonna have to, you guys are gonna have to get some some sacks in big situations and maybe a, a, a couple turnovers um, to win. But I mean, it's very possible. You know, I, it's the NFL. You never count anybody out of it, especially on your turf. Well, we'll we'll see. I, I don't think that the turf is going to do us a huge favor this week, but we're going to have to see. It's going to be an interesting game. Everybody hey, any knows. Given um, Sunday. <laughs> if that is well, the game's on Monday, Luke. I, I don't. I don't think any given Sunday <laughs> <laughs> actually applies on, on Monday. So maybe maybe <laughs> that's right. going against us. Any given Sunday, <laughs> the maximum that doesn't apply. Everybody, it's Luke Wareheim from Field Goals. Again, that's Field Goals. G U L L S. Hilarious. Love yeah. those guys. And the Twitter handle, MyHawkSoFly. Just a quick note, Gator Boots with the pimped-out Gucci suits. Ain't got no job, but I stay <laughs> sharp. Can't pay my rent because all my money's spent, but that's okay because I'm Luke Wareheim, and I'm MyHawkSoFly, at MyHawkSoFly for Luke Wareheim, everybody. Luke, thanks for coming on Show Radio, my man. Hey, man, thanks for having me. You guys take it easy. Hey, take it easy, bro. Good stuff, man. Luke's fun. I like the guys that fill those. And that's one of the things that's one of the things honestly that I hate about SB Nation is that it's so easy to hate some of these teams that, you know, even last week, you know, with the Carolina Panthers, I I now hate that team with every fiber of my being. But I like the guys over at Cat Scratch Reader. They're good people. But one thing you'll find is that the guys at field goals are pretty much awesome. Every single one of them. Uh we're gonna have Kenny Sign on later, might be coming up in a little bit, but we got a couple calls. And, you know, i got to get to my callers from the Tertial Time people. I guess thanks to Luke Wehrheim. Uh, I, I was stationed in Germany. Don't hold me against me. Luke Wehrheim coming on from field goals. And my Hawks so fly. I stay fly. From the 310 Los Angeles, an area code I know oh so well. What's going on? You're on Tertial Radio. 310, what's up? Kendrick Lamar, is this you? k I know you've been waiting to talk to me. You ain't got yeah, I'm right here. Oh, my bad, man. I just turned you off, and now I'm turning you back on. Kendrick, what's up? Oh. Just turn your mic on. I'm here. What's going on? This? Stuff in my... this is L.A. Champ, also known as Arnett Camp. Champ. Easy. What's up, Champ? <laughs> just cool. Hey, just Champ. listening to the what show. Part of LA... Yeah, what's up, man? What part I'm... of L.A. are you from, man? I'm from, like, West L.A., man, over there by Olympic. But I used to live, like, near uh, Baldwin Hills, near the jungle, by Crenshaw, Lawson, all that. I got you. I was, I was born in Van Nuys. I got family out in Inglewood, and my sister just moved to Glendale, and I got a ton of family out there, so I know L.A. well. I always got to get my neighborhoods in for my L.A. people because I know it is a hood-rich city. Sam, what's going on, man? What you want to talk about? I'll throw it at you. What's going oh, on? I'm just listening to the field goals, and, you know me, I'm a defensive guy. I just think that uh, – I'm hoping that uh, Walton comes up with a spy to kind of keep Russell Wilson in the pocket, man, and uh, make him have to throw. And I'm hoping my secondary can show up this week. Uh, What's going on out there at the secondary this year? What do you guys think, man? I mean, it's it's been worse. I think think the problem is that – I think it's two things. Number one, uh, and for all the criticism that we gave Craig Dahl, there was some solidity in that he knew where he was supposed to be. The problem was once he got there, he didn't do anything well. There's a question now I think that they've incorporated into the scheme that 
you know, with Matt Giordano being an under-talented veteran and that having that veteran presence is useful between Rodney McLeod and Barry Stewart and uh, obviously T.J. McDonald is that maybe they don't feel comfortable putting a lot of responsibility on those guys' shoulders as yet, right? So that being the case, they've got to rely on the guys up front uh, in terms of the linebackers and secondary when you're talking about pass coverage to be able to get that stuff done. And that's been a struggle. And I think Cortland struggled early and that it's almost an avalanche kind of thing where as he struggled, it made things harder and you had to try to make adjustments to try to, you know, shade him off and incorporate him less into some single coverage. But other teams were finding a way to make sure that he got isolated and they took advantage of it. It's unfortunate. But, yeah, the – the secondary has gotten, strangely, it's gotten worse. You somehow subtract Crate Doll and it gets worse. But I think that's the reality. What, what do you need to, what do you want to see? I asked Free Will earlier, is it production or attitude? Do you just want to see big hits? Do you want to see guys fired up? Do you want to see, you know, maybe guys, you know, getting into other players? Or do you want to see an interception? Do you want to see them, you know, closing down on passes? Is it production or attitude at this point? Well, I think right now uh, it's attitude, and part of it is when you coach players to play passively, it's hard to get them to play fast and aggressive like like their nature. And I think that like a lot of the turf show times uh, community saying we need to start pressing more, mix up a little soft zone, definitely not on third downs. That's when we need to be strict man pressing with the blitzes, you know, sending some blitzes and trying to create more havoc and take a few more risks. And my big thing is I know, I know, I know they're, you know, I know Sneed is doing a great job. I know Fisher, but some of these free agents, I don't understand why is Giordano playing. How could uh, uh, McGee get drafted? I was just looking at his little uh, write-up by Kevin, and I'm wondering what, what is McGee on the team for if he can't play corner? And we have uh, McLeod. I, I keep calling him McCloyd, but McLeod is out there running around like he's a corner. And I think some of these guys are really out of position. And, and I don't believe Giordano can uh, come on a team this fast and start if he was on the bench with the Raiders. You know, that's my big hang-up back there with that secondary. Hey, good stuff, Sam. We got a couple callers I want to get to, but hey, I need you to call in, for man. Don't don't do this once a year. I don't want this to be an annual thing. <laughs> I, wonder, I, I want to hear from LA. I'm gonna try, try to call in some. I'm gonna try to call in a little more frequent, man. I, I just saw that the Sam going down really hurt everybody, and I'm hoping that everybody realizes that this team is not finished. If the defense, special teams, and especially the running game picks up, we can still turn this thing around and be uh, have a successful season. Get them, champ. That's what I'm talking about. That's how you put a positive note. AKs, ARs, AR, duck. That's my boy, LA <laughs> champ, man. Hey, thanks for calling, bro. All right, don't no, no sweat, man. All right, take it easy, PJ. All right. All right. LA champ, man. That's a hell of a call. That's an A plus virgin breaking call. That That's the way you do it. I'm impressed, man. I want LA champ to get back at me. That's good stuff. Um, next call. One more before we bring on Mike D. Uh, I want to bring in from the 406. I think that's up north. 406. What's going on, John Turchill Radio? Well, what's up, Joe? Hey, what's up? Who's this, man? Uh, this is Ben Martin. 
And Martin, what's going on? Uh, and Martin, my Montana Connect. So I was close. Montana's. Uh, uh, do you guys count as the Deep South? Does Montana? Is that <laughs> Southwest? South? I, I actually, I, I live in Seattle now. So, but no, it's uh, from, it's in the Rocky Mountains. From, you know. from the pit of hell. No, what's going on, man? What's it feel like in Seattle? Are you looking forward to the game on Monday? How do you feel, man? Uh, actually, I'm coming down for my my first time down to the dome this weekend. Uh-oh. So it's, uh, How was the experience? I don't know. I'm, I'm going to come up. I'm coming there this weekend. So it's gonna oh, be you're my coming this weekend. Experience. I thought you said, I got you. Well, what are you yeah. looking forward to? What What do you want to see? What do you want from this experience? Win or lose, what do you really want out of this experience? Is this your first time going there? Yeah, this is. So I've been to every game up here since the division realignment. So I've only got to see three wins. Um, <laughs> since they've moved uh, moved divisions, but I, I mean, there I'd love go. to see a win. That's priority number one. I don't know. I've kind of obviously gut check out on Sunday. Monday was kind of felt like I got cheated on or something. I don't know. Depressed. But today I kind of woke up and I was like, all right, there's got to be some bright spots in this. Mm-hmm. I uh, here's something for, uh, that I kind of want to throw out: 221 yards. One interception, 55 rushing yards, even time of possession, and plus two in turnovers. We had zero touchdowns thrown by a quarterback last year, and we win a football game. That game happened to be against the Seahawks on Monday night. Sam didn't play extremely well. Offense in a, as a whole didn't play extremely well. Special teams and defense won us that game single-handedly. Uh, Greg kicked four field goals, one at 60 yards. Kellen going to win us this game, I think we'd all be crazy to say yes. But on the flip side, can our defense, is it down mm-hmm. there to win it? Yeah, I definitely do think so. Um, living up here in Seattle, I get to watch a lot of Seahawks games, talk with a lot of Seahawks fans. And I don't know, man. It, Seahawks, are, they're a dominant team. I'm not going to discredit them by that. But their offensive line is shaky. Their defense wins in football games, period. Russell is having a fumbling problem. So is Marshawn. Marshawn has three goal line fumbles in the past four weeks. Uh, if we can capitalize on that stuff, man, we might we might be in for a show. That's what I'm talking about, Nick. Hey, if you had a, if you had one thing that you want to see from the team, and, and I mean the theme has been attitude versus production. What what is the one thing you want to see from this team? You know, with Sam out to say, look, they're not giving up. There's there's something still to keep the tabs on this team for. What is the one thing you want to see from them on Monday? Uh, honestly, I, I think uh, I think Chris is going to come out, pour a couple of Zenas on his face, pump that defense up, and uh, show out. I, I think offense, offensively, Tavon needs to keep catching the football. It, he's right there. He is on the cusp. Anyone that's dogging that kid right now, he's <laughs> – Everyone else has shot that kid in the foot. He does have a few drops, but, I mean, he's got most targets by rookies. He's got most catches, most yards. I mean, dude, he's he's only played like 28 quarters of football. You've got to give him somewhat of a pass. I, I think he's showing continually that that explosive playmaker that we wanted, he's there, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to show out. Um, so I think just continual growth. I think all Rams fans this year, we wanted to see – us improve from a seven, eight, and one season. Maybe go nine and seven, ten and six. Try eking in as a wild card, but to see growth, um, I think that's the biggest thing that uh, 
but I want to see. I'll be down on the sidelines before the game, so if anyone wants to follow me on Twitter, I'll be uh, I'll be sharing what I what I'm feeling, what the air is like down there. So one last thing: this is a huge, huge, huge game up here in the Northwest this weekend between uh, Eastern Washington and the Grizz. Uh, it's big sky dominance. Go Grizz, baby! <laughs> Go ahead. Hey, thanks, Nick. No problem. Man. Big Sky Dominance. That's, I think that's one of those hipster bands, man. Big Sky Dominance. They opened up for Arcade Fire. Although he is up in Seattle, so you got to throw some love his way. He'll be all right. Good stuff from Nick, man, calling in. Um, next up, our own from Tershow Times. Got to bring him in. Ever the Optimist. This is going to be fun, everybody. Buckle up. Now, I want you to think. I want, <laughs> you can't start laughing before we start. But I want you to think. Go back to two weeks ago. <laughs> Go back to last week. I was just thinking about Tertia Radio, and now with Sam out, I'm bringing in Mike D. Mike, what's going on, man? Joe, how are you, Joe? I'm doing good, man. What's good? Don't, we had two good calls. L.A. Chan, I heard Nick Martin. You know, so some things to look forward to. Understandably, some skepticism. Some, uh, you know, we, we we need to see things before we feel comfortable moving forward. But you know, a lot of games left to play, Mike. What do you think? Is it is are the Rams going to finish nine and seven, or are they going to finish eleven and five? <laughs> are you still drinking? Which, are you still drinking with Brandon? <laughs> well, I will say this. I will say this, and I, I'm not somebody who believes in conspiracies, uh, but I invited Brandon Bate over to my house Saturday. The next day, Sam tore his knee out. I am personally going to put padlocks on the outside of Brandon's doors. He will stay in his house through the end of the 2015 season. I make that promise but, to all the social times. Mike, what's going on, bro? Well, what I re- actually, I don't mind Kellen Clemens getting hurt, so Brandon can come over and get him hurt, too. Um, <laughs> so that's the plan yeah, now. Yeah. We're gonna, every, time, every time a Rams quarterback starts playing for that, hey, Brandon, I need you to come over tomorrow, man. We've got to get something changed up on the quarterback. Now, what's going on, Mike? All right, Joe, I, you know, I'm the realist. I'm the old guy. I'm the pessimist of, of Twitter. Um, it's over. If they win one to two games, it'll be a miracle. Uh, Joe, Joe, here, here's the problem. Even with Bradford playing, I thought actually he was playing the best game he's played all year on Sunday before he got hurt. Um, a lot of well. circumstances. I thought he was good. I thought I was, uh, I was res- relatively pleased with him. That all being said, they were still losing by two scores um, with him playing well. The defense is atrocious. Um, With him, they could have won maybe three more games. Without him, with the wonderful Kellen Clemens at the helm, it's going to be lucky to win one, maybe two games if a train hits somebody. Um, yeah, here's what I like. I was thinking about this earlier, and I took a look. And I, I want your honest opinion, Mike. Here's what we got left. Yeah. Home against Seattle Monday night, home against right. Tennessee, on the road right. against the Colts, home against Chicago, on the road San Francisco, on the road Arizona, home New Orleans, home Tampa Bay, at Seattle. Again, that's home Tampa. Seattle, home Tennessee, at Indy, yeah. home Chicago, at San Francisco, at Arizona, home New Orleans, home Tampa, at Seattle. Are there any games that you expect us to win? No. I think they might be able to win the Tampa game. Cause by that's then, the one that Austin stands Davis, out, right? Yeah, yeah, Austin Davis will probably be quarterbacking by then. Um, and maybe he sold his soul to God for that one good Matt Flynn-like game. 
Um, if he doesn't, maybe he doesn't care enough. How about that? Yeah, I, Joe, Let me throw that you know, there. here's what bugs me, right, Joe? Because everything bugs me. So, Snisher, <laughs> Snisher, as I like to call them, they had the opportunity to do something today. They had the opportunity to say, all right, you know what? I know we have to look like we're trying, but let's go get two young quarterbacks. Let's get them on the roster. Let's get them practicing the whole season. I understand Clemens has to play the next few weeks because we see what happens with Josh Freeman last night when a quarterback goes in there and knows five plays. Um, let's get two young guys. Let's put them in the system. Let's get them ready, and maybe we could find a backup quarterback for next year thinking Sam will be ready. Instead, they go the Brady Quinn route. Holy Christ. Uh, you know, <laughs> it, it just, you know, he is what he is. And then Austin Davis wasn't good enough to keep on the practice squad. Emery Blake is on the practice squad. He wouldn't play if a truck hit three receivers for the Rams. But he's taking up a practice squad that Austin Davis could not take, and now we take him back and put him on the active spot. I I don't know what direction they're doing, Joe. I don't know what the plan is. It's very frustrating. Um, how they didn't have a quarterback on the practice squad beforehand, uh, I, I don't know what they're doing, Joe. Do you have an idea? Because I, I don't. I, I think that's what's hurt him is that, you know, I, I get it. You know, front office and coaching staffs that don't have great teams to begin with have to take some risk, and you're going to leave some holes. And I think that arguably the biggest gaping holes they had on this team were running back and backup quarterback. And I think the running back position came to bite them a couple of weeks ago, and they realized, look, we got to try Zach State. We got to try whatever we got. Mm-hmm. And now the backup quarterback spots hurt them. And it sucks that both of their uh, risks have come back to bite them. The latter, being the quarterback situation, has come back to bite them in a big, big way. And that happens. But yeah, I, I, if you look back at it in hindsight, obviously that's a situation that you would have wanted to address more than just having Kellen Clem back up. Especially, you look, I mean, unfortunately, I had some time today. Uh, got things on my mind. I need a distraction. And I looked at Kellen Clemens on all the games he's played. He's had two games where he's had a quarterback rating over 78 in his whole career in seven years. He's not good. I mean, there's no chance of him being good. Like, say today they signed, I don't know if you saw on Twitter today, or I think you were locked into a room with Obamacare. But, um <laughs> Anyhow, I, I I wanted them to sign McElroy and Tyler Wilson today. I thought two young I saw, guys. I saw some talk about that. Yeah, I, I thought I thought that would be like it could have been you know something interesting. Wilson was a fourth round pick. Maybe he was taken too high or whatever. Has a live arm. McElroy, God, you know they talk about Fisher talked about Bradford being a game manager last week before he got hurt. Greg McElroy is the definition of a game manager. Um, no, you know he's Mike smart. He did. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, that's it. And no, I'm just saying. Do I, do I need to go back and pull out the Kellen Clemens horn for, for Greg McElroy? Oh, I just I don't understand. I just don't know what they're doing, Joe. You would think they're smarter than me. They're smarter than you. They're smarter than all of us. They've done football sure. their whole life. How do they not understand that Kellen Clemens, Brady Quinn, you're not making the playoffs. You look to make something for next year. You know, McElroy actually played two games with the Jets last year. He wasn't awful. He wasn't good, but he wasn't awful. And you know what he would do? I don't know if you've heard McElroy. You probably have because you're a big college guy. He is a brilliant young dude, and he would have been, he would have been great with the media if he was a starting quarterback. You know, he wouldn't have said absolutely 300 times like Bradford does every inter- interview. And, 
you know, he's a brilliant kid. He's going to probably be on ESPN in five years when his career is over. And, I, you know, I would think, and he knows the system. He's with the Jets. He knows the system. I thought that was the move to make. And then you bring in Wilson for the, the third guy and, and try to develop him for next year. Uh, it, it just, you know, I know it's something stupid, and it doesn't matter in the whole scheme of things, but I'm just, you know, then maybe next draft you don't have to use a third rounder or a fourth rounder if Bradford gets back off the ACL. Um, you don't have to use that pick on a high guy. Maybe you develop the guy. But they didn't do that, and we are where we are. And Monday, you know, it is, it's going to be – it's not going to be pretty. Uh, it just it, – it, yeah, it doesn't look like it on paper. I think I think what's interesting is kind of by not not the fact that they didn't sign those guys, but what that says to me, right? I mean, the fact yeah. that they didn't take a chance on any of those younger guys and look for mm-hmm. a potential suitor means either a they feel really comfortable about the idea of bringing Sam Bradford back in 2014 after the mm-hmm. ACL has been rehabbed and reconstructed, or they feel really comfortable about the class of quarterbacks, and I'll get to that at the end of the show. Everybody knows I do my college wrap-up at the end, that they feel really comfortable about that class, and they don't have a ton of concern about this team moving forward with the options that they're going to have available. Now, does ah. that say that, right, does that say that 2013 is a wash and they're giving up? Maybe. I mean, look, Kellen Clemens and Brady Quinn, man, is Brady Quinn. Does that tell you they're giving up? Maybe not. Maybe that's strong. But I don't think they really went for it, right? They didn't take a risk-reward type option. I think no. they really bought low with the idea that either they're comfortable with Sam or they're comfortable with the draft. Because, I mean, if you look around the league right now, our favorite third-string quarterback of all time, Sad Lewis, you know, he's given them a chance to win, right? And, and he was he unknown. Didn't bad. He didn't no, look bad. No, but he was unknown. The Bills said, you know what? We saw Jeff Tool in practice. We know Jeff Tool, and Jeff Tool sucks. Took the guy off the practice squad and put him right in the starting rotation over the backup quarterback. And they're like, you know what? We think he gives us the best chance to win. I, I, I'd love to sit in that meeting room where they said, you know what, Kellen Clemens, he gives us the best chance to win. I, <laughs> I, I just it, it boggles my mind, Joe. So you know, how do I do? With the, how do I do with the rest of the season sitting in the Dietrich, you know, house? You know, I have three TVs. I get to look at every game. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be sitting there rah, rah, rah every Sunday. You know, there's no more high fives for touchdowns. The season's over. It's, am I rooting for them to lose? No. Am I rooting for them to win? Nah. You know, I'm, it's apathy is what it is. And we're back to that like we were two years ago, three years ago, six years ago, eight years ago, 15 years ago, whatever it's been. Um you know, so that's where I'm at. You know, it's, you don't sit in there openly root against them, but you're just at the end of the year when they finish four and twelve and they have the sixth pick, you're like, all right, um, you know, and you hope they somehow pick a game changer, franchise changer, which they haven't done since Tory Holt. Yeah, it de- it definitely doesn't look bright. But Mike, I'll tell you, we've been through two seasons before two win seasons before we've been up there with the number two pick. We've already got three wins. Maybe we still a couple. Let let me ask you this, because this has been the theme. This has been the question I've been asking people as they've gotten on. What do you want to see on Monday? Is there anything? I I know you're apathetic right now, but is there anything that you can see from this team to to at least, you know, maintain some respect for them? Sure. I want to see a attitude of what the F. I want to see a fake field goal. I want to see a double reverse pass from a wide receiver 
to freaking Lance Kendricks. I want to see an onside kick to start the game. I want to see, you know, I, you, Joe, you played sports. You played in games where you knew you didn't have a chance to win. I just want to see them throw it out there because I don't see a difference on losing 30-3 to or 45-3. to uh, You know, so try some stuff. This could, like, you're uh, saying this could, be the, this could be the most fun game to watch of the year this, to this point. Right. You know, let Johnny Hecker throw a pass. Let, you know, let Zerline <laughs> run the ball like the Vanderbilt game, right? Try that. That looks good. Um, you know, it, just try some stuff. Like start – say they lose the toss, right, and Seattle gets the ball, onside kick, start the game right away. <laughs> I, I want – you know, I'm a man who loves chaos, and oh, my God. If this was going to be the game where we throw it all for chaos, I would be a, a, a huge fan of it. Mike – before I let you go, we got to get to your forte, man. Uh, hit me with some fantasy stuff. I know you had the way yeah. to wire pick up some week eight for everybody that didn't see it. Go ahead, go ahead, go over to Tercio Times. Mike's got his waiver wire pickups for week eight. Some good names in there. Roy Halu obviously had a big game for Washington. They look to be getting it back, even though we own that first round pick. Keep an eye on them. Obviously, Jordan Reed tight end. He exploded. Uh, DHB now with Reggie Wayne going down. Talk to us about the fantasy wire this week. Yeah, so, you know, injuries are just piling up everywhere. If you have it, was a a, it was a bad week for injuries, man. Yeah, if you have a fantasy team the last couple of weeks, you have a hurt guy. You know, there's guys out there. Um, you mentioned a couple. I think Halu is a good guy this week. Um, Redskins, to play with the Broncos, they're going to throw the ball much more. They're going to run the ball. Uh, I like him. You know, Mike James is going to take over for Doug Martin. There's a reason why we all haven't heard of Mike James before last week. Um and they have a pretty rough schedule. So I don't think he's going to make an impact. But you know what? If you need a guy, he's going to touch the ball 15 times. You know, you got to throw him out there. Um, Chris Ivory got 34 yeah. carries last week. He's going to be tired. Um, but he's still going to get 15 carries. Uh, I, I, I kind of like – I've always liked Ivory. I kind of wanted him for the Rams, honestly, in the offseason. Uh, Jordan Reed, you know, he broke out last week. You know, he also got a pretty nice game um, who he played. Uh, but, you know, the, Fred Davis is on the block. He's a starting tight end. Redskins are going to throw the ball. That's a guy. He's number one, I think, in two or three of my leagues uh, for pickups. Hayward Bay, I know. He, he's Brian Quick, five <laughs> years older. Um, he's going to be open, but he's going to drop the ball. The Colts can't run the ball. You know, Trent Richardson, you know, you, you've watched it. He looks like almost like Peyton Hillis um, dragging an ice cart. Uh so Hayward Bay is going to get a bunch of targets. Curly for the Jets, you know, watch out. You know, Gino likes to throw the ball around. Curly's a good wide receiver three. Um, you got to watch out for the Jets in general. Mike, you got to watch out for the Jets in general, right? I mean, what is, what is going on up there? Well, what they got going is, that, you know, they've all rallied around the second-round uh, rookie quarterback. They have limited talent at wide receiver, Joe. But you know what? Rex Ryan, for all his buffoonery and things he does, Joe, he's a real football coach. He he can coach. He, what he does is he coaches up talent. There's a lot of coaches in the NFL that have to have talent to win. He coaches it up. You know, their defense, their defense is playing. You know, they're not getting turnovers, and you know how that is. Sometimes that runs in bunches. It could be a little lucky, a bounce here, a bounce there. But they are playing well. They're playing with confidence. Um you know, they took the Patriots both times to the wire, one-time win, one-time loss. Uh, 
you know, the way that AFC East is, Jets are going to win nine games. And if you win nine games with a second-round rookie uh, quarterback. And with that, with that roster. With that, with with, that roster. With that roster, with, with two guys at running back that won't make many teams. You know, it's, and, a and Joe, it's a great segue, Joe. All I hear from Twitter, I'm so negative and, and, and this and that. You've got to be patient. You've got to be patient. The Jets sucked last year. All they did was get a rookie quarterback, a couple veterans, had a pretty good draft, and they're probably going to win between eight and nine games this year. That's Holy crazy. Christ, eight. they won nine games. If they won nine, if, I, if the Rams won nine games, we'd be doing the Irish jig. If the Jets win nine games, I think I'm going to have to come up to Jersey and visit you, man. Uh, another guy you had on there, and I interrupted you just in time, former Ram Brandon Gibson. You know, he uh, it's pretty funny, right? Because um, every Sunday, like I told you, I get the three TVs. My best friend's a Dolphin fan, so I have to have the Dolphins on one of those TVs. So I watch every Dolphin game. He is showing a burst this year. I know T-Bone's going to get all excited. He shows, you know, he, he's been showing a burst that he didn't have last year. Now, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what it is. He's off turf. He's on grass. Makes absolutely zero sense. But he got, he's got some giddy-up this year. Um, he really does. And, you know, target-wise, he's at 42 targets. Top of my head, I don't have it in front of me. Wallace and Hartline are at like 48 and 46. So it's basically been a three-way, you know, it's pretty even. And everyone were like, oh, my God, Gibson in the slot. You know, he's too slow for that. Well, you know, what's happening is Tannehill's getting rushed. You know, they have a work, they have a horrible offensive line. So he's mm-hmm. looking to get rid of the ball pretty quick, and Gibby's getting open seven, eight yards, and he's catching. You know, he's, he has his two drops a game, but he's still there. They, they keep going to him. And, and like I said, weeks eight, nine the NFL this year is brutal with the buys, with the injuries. You know, you can do worse than throwing him out there as your third receiver in a fantasy football league. I really, you know, I really think you can't do worse. So do I wish he was a Ram? No. <laughs> he wouldn't have made a difference this year even with the healthy Sam and the health everything unless he can play cornerback and tackle uh, I don't think he would have made a difference there you go so, hey Mike thanks for coming up no go ahead anytime Joe anytime we will be in touch this week and uh, have a good week sir hey thanks Mikey Mike Dietrich everybody that's at D-V-O-N-D on Twitter follow Mike Mike's hilarious man I love my guy um Let's switch gears from somebody I like to somebody I hate with all my soul. His name is Kenneth Stein. Now, I don't know if you guys know this about Kenneth. Kenneth was born uh, in East Czechoslovakia. Uh, When he was born, the doctor said, oh, my God, this baby's face looks like pizza from two decades ago. That has been poked with a old spoon. Oh, no, that's a... this guy, uh, his soul is made out of coal. I, I don't know. I, I'm trying to be. I'm trying to stoke the fires of the rivalry. But you know, I love you, Kenny. Everybody, Kenneth Stein is one of the funniest guys you will know across SB Nation on Twitter. Hilarious guy. You need to be following him. You need to be paying attention, Kenny. What's going on, my man? What's up, man? I don't know who. Uh, I don't know who Kenneth Stein is, though. I know Kenneth Arthur. Kenneth Arthur, can you do me? <laughs> Kenneth Arthur was born in East Chicago. I might confuse the people to uh, be looking for Kenneth Stein on uh, SB Nation or Twitter because, I mean, I'm sure there might be one. On, there actually probably is several on Twitter, but 
that's not where you'll find me. I am. Uh, I chose uh, for work-related reasons. I go by Kenneth Arthur. The doctor, upon Kenneth Arthur's first breath, remarked, "That smells like a whale's vagina." It was then that Kenneth Arthur had the highest moment of his life. No, what's going on, Kenny? What's up, man? That's all true as well. It um, is all true. Man, you guys have already talked about Seahawks. What am I? What do you got me for? <laughs> well, for laughs, Kenny, come on, oh. tell me, tell me, tell me a joke, Ken. Um, no, nah, all the jokes I know are really long form. They take quite a while. <laughs> we got, I got, I got forty nine minutes left on the call. Now, uh, everybody, I thought, I thought somewhere you went by Ken Stein, either on Twitter or something. Did I make that up? No, I could have sworn somewhere you went by Kenny Stein. Email, personal email. <laughs> oh, I don't know anything about that. I don't have any of your personal information. You still live at one one three one Swanton Way. Oh, sorry, I got that from the government. Didn't mean to put that up there. Kenny, talk to me about that. That's right, man. What what are you you looking forward to on Monday? Oh, man, like, you know, I don't want to – I don't know. what I'm trying to figure out because it all depends on what the – I don't want to add any insult to injury, literally. I mean, I don't want to be – I know that that I'm sure if if I have a – general idea of what the feelings are like uh, for the St. Louis Rams fans, and I think they can all uh, understand why I feel pretty confident. I did not think that, I mean, you asked me two weeks ago, I wouldn't have felt very confident. You asked me a week ago, but, you know, circumstances change, and now all of a sudden it's it's a very, uh, it, things look a lot better for Seattle than they do for St. Louis. And, I, and, you know, that hasn't always, it's never really mattered in the last 10 years when we've uh, been in the same division, whether not, whoever the good team is and whoever the bad team is, it doesn't seem to matter. But I mean, I'm very, uh, I'm very confident only because I mean, Kellen Clemens is instantly in a, in a, in a year where there's been some pretty bad quarterbacks to start, I'd say he's probably the worst. I mean, that's, that's not, I'm, that's it. Kenny, you're in a five-second timeout. I want you to think about what you're talking about. And when you come back, we're going to be a little more civil, right? When you talk about Kelly Clemens, you have to understand we have feelings. Our feelings are serious, and our feelings are real. Kenneth Arthur, you're back on Tertiary Radio. You were saying something about Kelly Clemens? Um... Yeah, he's you know he started 12 games in his career. I think one of them has been decent, and the other 11 have been pretty bad. So I'm looking forward to uh, the 13th, lucky 13. Ken, I'm going to ask you to help us out a little bit. We're in a bad place right now, and we need friends, all right? Well, we don't need more enemies. We need friends. I wrote about the Rams kind of extensively today because I uh, every Wednesday, sometimes Thursday on SB Nation slash NFL, I write a QB watch, which is like a hot seat for um, quarterbacks instead of coaches. And so today was a good day to write about the Rams. And 
obviously it's sort of a situation where Kellen Clemens isn't on the hot seat. It's just a matter of, I mean, you know, he could get benched any day or any moment, you know, but it wasn't so much about, it's not always just a hot seat, but what is, what is the team going to do for the future? And right, you know, right now, you know, the Rams, they got to think about not just what they're going to do for the rest of the season, but what are they going to do for next year? Cause it's not something that they addressed in the 2012 draft when they could have had Robert Griffin and, you know, Robert Griffin, obviously he tore his ACL too, but would you rather have Robert Griffin whose contract is, I'm going to say a third of what Sam Bradford's was when he signed? Uh, All right, Ken, we're going to need to take another break. We don't talk about Robert Griffin the third right now. All right. Sam Bradford hurt his knee. He'll be back. Robert Griffin third is an evil person with an evil soul and an evil face. We don't want to talk about that right now. Kenneth Arthur, you're back on Trisha Radio. <laughs> Do you have anything else to say about the Rams that is going to make us feel better? about? Let me ask you a question, Kenny. You what, are you gonna do? what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are you going to draft a quarterback? Are you going to let Sam Bradford go to the side? We haven't decided yet, Ken. We have a lot of time. We have a lot of time to figure this out, all right? It's like, it's like when you buy milk and you don't need any milk and you've got like 12 days before the expiration date. What are you going to use the milk for? It, it doesn't matter. You've got time to figure it out. You don't need to decide tonight. Maybe tomorrow you'll make pancakes. Maybe a week from now you'll make a smoothie. And who makes a smoothie with milk? Yeah, screw the details. None of that matters. You've got time. We don't need yeah, to decide uh, that now. The Rams, didn't they buy the milk like six months ago? Like, at now point, you got you got to try and figure out how you're going to get milk next time in, a, in an appropriate fashion. Is that part of the analogy? You know what? You're about to get pasteurized. No, Ken, let me ask you. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your catchphrase? Look, That's a good catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> We don't drink milk. I don't know where, where you're taking this analogy. I don't, it doesn't even make sense. I don't know why you brought it up in the first place. We have nothing to do with that, and I kind of disrespect you for bringing that up. Um, one thing I did want to touch on, look, it's going to be tough, man, and you know what it is. You, you guys have been there, obviously, in the last couple of years while you're building a team, you're in a different place. But the Rams had a lot riding on Sam. There was nothing behind him. They took a risk, and as of right now, it didn't work out. But moving forward, they're going to have to figure out, okay, you know, Sam is due a heck of a lot of money, a Terra Nova amount of money, which is where I'm going with this. You have the Rams fifth in your unpower rankings. For everybody that doesn't know, Ken does one of the best power rankings around. They're called the unpower rankings, and they're essentially power rankings backwards, where your number one team is. And correct me if I'm phrasing this wrong, Ken. Maybe there's a different way you like to put this. The number one team is the worst team in the NFL? Yes. Or it's, yeah, a, it's, it's a great. It's a sort of also a, it's a reverse. I'm trying to go for like you know it's a it's a combination draft order uh, power rankings and they are reversed because well to be perfectly honest they're reversed because there's 500,000 power rankings on the internet and you got to do something different. No, just uh, and I always love reading them, partially because you're a funny human being, but also partially because you find different themes. And this theme was national television, and for some reason, and I took a little bit offensive of this. Yeah, it, you've got it's all it, 
let me just put the bookends. You got Rams at number five in your untowel rank. It's fifth worst team. At number four, you got the Vikings with It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and Heroes as references for the Vikings. Decent shows. At number six, you've got Entourage, a pretty decent show. Now, at the Rams at number five, you gave us Terra Nova. How the how the fuck do we end up with Terra Nova? What? No, what that was I think you you misread the uh, the Vikings. The, the Vikings weren't those shows. The Vikings were Luis starring Luis Guzman, which was on for thirteen or eight episodes back on Fox in 1999 at the height of Luis Guzman's popularity. And they yeah, had but screw that. You gave us Terra Nova. What did what did we do? What did, we didn't because, hurt your quarterback. Why did we get Terra Nova? You're not going to like me anymore for this for this answer either. Uh, because a lot, going into the season, a lot of people picked the Rams to maybe uh, be the team that competes with Seattle instead of the 49ers. They thought that the Rams were going to be really good. I personally thought that they could be, but at the same time, I could not stop thinking about 2011. So it's like I just kept thinking to myself, those 2010 Rams aren't that much different than the 2012 Rams. And yet, for some reason, after 2000, and they still went 2-14 and 14 the next year. So I was like, look, I'm not saying that the Rams can't be good, just like I don't think that Terra Nova, I have, I have reasons to think why Terra Nova was going to be good. But at the end of the day, something went wrong, and it just completely fell apart, and it was a disaster. And I thought, and I, I still look at the Rams, and I'm like, you have Cortland Finnegan and, uh, you know, Janoris Jenkins and Chris Long and uh, Robert Quinn, and I can keep going. It's like, why are you guys not good? And I'm, and, and you still, I, I mean, look, a year ago, exactly one year ago, if I had unpower rankings and I had a QB hot seat, Russell Wilson would have constantly been on the QB hot seat every week, and the Seahawks would have been somewhere in the middle. Maybe some weeks after a bad week, you might have even put them, you know, somewhere closer to the top of the reverse power rankings. And now a year later, I would say that Russell Wilson is, you know, one of the safest people in the NFL, and the Seahawks, I had them as the best team in the NFL right now. So could the Rams do that in a year? Yeah, they have talent enough to get there. but And they could even turn around this season and win nine games, you know. But the reason that I compared them to Terranova is because for whatever reason it's just not working. I would have at least thought that the defense would have been better, and that's where – because, you know, it's not even like – you guys even addressed linebacker in the draft, so I don't really – it's confusing to me, but at the same time, it is what it is, and that's why – and when you have Sam Bradford going down, it's like, okay, well, they're probably going to start looking the next season, which, you know, it's not anything that really – that's not something that I find, like, fortunate. Being a Seahawks fan, I only care if the Seahawks are good, and I think that it's better to play good teams, and I think that uh, the Monday night game, I just feel that by – the fourth quarter, the Seahawks will pull away. But, I mean, on the road, in the division, that's never – I don't care if it's uh, the Colts at Jacksonville. There's going to be competition. Tim, can I ask you a question? I hope you do. Have you ever boiled blood? Have you ever boiled blood? That's correct. Yeah, I think I'm boiling your blood right now. Right now, my friend, it is boiling. How dare you? How dare you bring the, the boiling point to bear on my blood? No, you make good points, man. I get it. It's just one of those things I don't want to deal with right now. I was hoping you were going to come on, you know, tell me I'm a good person. Tell me I look good. 
I mean, you know, no, I, mean, you guys, I think you're a really good person. I think I think I'm always impressed with how many how many. Uh, I, I mean, I don't obviously don't pay as much attention to the other divisions, but I'm just I look at the NFC West uh, on SB Nation. I'm like, okay, we have like ten of the best writers on this entire freaking blog network. Because I mean, you look at you know, we got Danny Kelly at Field Goals, and you and Ryan over at. Uh, Show Times and uh, the uh, and obviously Facillo. I mean, those guys are uh, are running NFL for every nation, and uh, and Jess Root over uh, Revenge of the Birds. They don't do as much traffic, but I think they still do just as much work. And maybe that's revealing too much behind the curtain. But <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I love how much uh, how, how we have such a good blog community for our division. And I think it makes for a better rivalry. Uh, when we play, and it does, and that, I think it's great that the, the the teams are more interesting now. I think you go back a couple of years when we were struggling as a division, and you know rivalries were there, but what were we really playing for? And I think now you're getting to a point where, you know, obviously you guys in the 49ers are still looking at the top of the division. You guys being six and one are in front, but I mean, you look at the Rams in Arizona. I don't know why anybody would want to play those teams. I mean, they're they're a bunch worse teams across the NFC and across the NFL, so it makes for an interesting division. Everybody, you're listening to my man, Kenny Stein, Kenny Arthur, Kenny B, uh, Kenny T, Kenny Williams. Um, Ken, what's your uh, Twitter? It's just Kenneth the Menace? No, it's Kenneth Arthur. It's at Kenneth Arthur S. They were, Kenneth, Kenneth Arthur, Arthur S. was taken. Yeah. What was the S? Was it for multiple Kenneth Arthurs? Was it for Kenneth Arthur, Arthur uh, Sleazeball? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was a little Freudian slip. Is that what you're saying? I think we uh, I think we teased that earlier in the episode, but I'm still trying to keep my anonym, anim, anonymity as much as possible. So I say it's. I thought you were saying yeah. you're trying to keep your hand in your pants. I was going to say, Ken, where are we going with this? Um, <laughs> Ken, real question, man. We talked a lot about what the Rams fans want to see from their team on Monday. You guys don't need to see a lot from your team, do you, on Monday? What, what what are you expecting? What do you hope to see from Seattle when they take the field and kind of, you know, throughout the game, what do you want to see from them kind of hold themselves and expecting to, expecting to get a win? That's fair, right, from Seattle fans? Well, you know, the Seahawks, I mean, as happy as I am with them, uh, they still have struggled with several areas um, pretty significantly. Uh, every single week, there's somebody um, that will put up 100 receiving yards. Uh, according to Football Outsiders, these weren't updated for this past week, but according to Football Outsiders, uh, up till at least the week before, week six, the, the Seahawks were 29th in the NFL against number one receivers, which is surprising, obviously, because we have Richard Sherman. But I don't think that um, – I don't think a lot of those yards are actually being gotten against Sherman. I think there's a lot of planning. It's a lot of guys that they're planning around uh, getting their top player away from Sherman. And so I think that that's a thing that we've struggled with. And it's not even, it doesn't even necessarily mean that you have to have, um, you know, Larry Fitzgerald. Like, you know, we've gotten burned by Cecil Shorts. We've gotten burned by T.Y. Hilton. Good players, no, don't get me wrong, but you know it's not the elite guys uh, that really are are burning us the worst. So what I'd like to see against the Rams is really, especially with uh, you know with you guys being shorthanded, I just would really like to see 
um, the passing game shut down completely. Um, I would I would be really disappointed to see, uh, you know, Chris Givens put up, you know, 120 yards. Even if we won, whatever. I mean, I just I would like to see when you're in a situation where obviously you've got. It, it's one of those things where it seems like you think that Kellen Clemens is going to do bad and then he comes out and he actually throws for like 350 yards in the way that, you know, Brian Hoyer did. And it's just one of those situations where it's like, you might be, I might be way too overconfident. Uh, those, those same rankings have the Seahawks number one against tight ends, which is sort of uh, interesting because last season we were one of the worst teams against tight ends and we were the best team against number one receivers. So it's sort of flip-flopped in that respect. So uh, I would like to, you know, continue to see that because I feel like if, obviously, if you can shut down Jared Cook, uh, your number one receiver in terms of yardage, then I don't know what else there's left really to do uh, for the the Rams. Um, I'd like to see the Seahawks stop making mistakes on special teams because really uh, the, the Colts won by six points and seven of those points came on a blocked field goal or maybe a block or a block punt. Um, they let other teams into the game, like uh, who did we play two weeks ago? Um, they let other uh, another team in the, into the game after a blocked field goal that was returned. That was the Titans that it was returned for a touchdown. Right. Really, they, the Seahawks have done so well in other areas that you know, and these are where those hidden points come into play, where a lot of people are wondering, you know, why is such and such a team, they don't seem like they have a lot of talent. Why are they why are they competing? Like last year with the Ravens, they weren't really dominant on offense or defense. They were good, but they weren't really dominant, but they were, I think, the number one team in the NFL on special teams. That's where you can't really, like, start to have these breakdowns because, you know, there's definitely reason to think that with Chris Long and Robert Quinn against our two backup tackles, that Russell Wilson is going to be on the run again. So, you know, I what I'd like to see is also is to see them do a good job against your defensive ends. I don't really see that happening. Uh, the Seahawks have turned it over um, in every game this season. They've turned it over twice in the last five games apiece. Uh, Russell Wilson has fumbled, I think, more than anyone in the NFL. A lot of that is on sacks. Um, he was sacked three times against the Cardinals last week and he fumbled all three snap all three sacks. And so that's really where the Rams if the Rams are gonna win, you know, get it get a Russell Wilson, uh, you know, attack those those edges, you know, force them into, you know, be you know, it's one of those things where I don't think he's making a mistake. He's just he's standing there for two seconds and all of a sudden he gets hit from the blind side is you know, there's not a whole lot he can do. And if, if Quinn can get after it and if Long can get after it, you know, then it's going to be a game. And if you guys can have a couple uh, plays go your way on special teams, then, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a really annoying game for us to watch as Seahawks fans and a really uh, exciting one for you guys to watch if, uh, if you guys can pull off the upset. Word, and consider my blood unboiled. Ten, we're friends again. Yay! <laughs> yeah. 
hooray for transient friendships across SVN. Hey, Ken, thanks for coming on, my man. Everybody was Kenneth Arthur, a.k.a. Kenneth Stein. I'm pretty sure he lied to me and told me his name was Kenneth Stein at that point. Ken, I meant no offense to man. <laughs> All right, man. I had a lot of fun. Again. Ken, as always, thanks for coming on Turk Show Radio. All right, talk to you soon. Good luck. Not really. <laughs> Good stuff. Gotta love Kevin. That's Kenneth Arthur S on Twitter. Kenneth Arthur over at Seal Goals and on SB Nation. Ken's hilarious. Really glad we got him on today. Have a lot of fun. Uh, we have one more call I want to take on before we get to the college stuff from the 520. He has been, or she has been holding for quite some time, and that is respectful. And I want to pay my respects to the 520. What's going on? You're on social radio. Hey, what's going on, Joe? How you doing? This is Mark. Who's this? Mark. Mark. Man, you, that is... I gotta say that is some dedication. I wanna I wanna thank you for your commitment to Tertiary Radio. Doug, do we have any guests? Do we have anything for? I'm asking my my promoter, my my producer, Douglas Moore. What we have we have a bowl of wind. What else? Yeah. <laughs> hey, I promised you. So socks. I'm the type of person that keeps my promises. So we have some old socks. Um, <laughs> what else do we have? We have oh, he can watch. Arizona and Colorado. We, we, you can watch the Arizona Colorado game this weekend. How does that sound? That sounds great. Hey, you're welcome, and you're welcome on behalf of Search Radio. Mark, what's going on, my man? Uh, nothing. Uh, just you know, I, while I was waiting, I was trying to uh, YouTube some highlights of Brady Quinn. Unfortunately, there's not very much. Did, so. what did you tell? <laughs> was there anything from the NFL? Did you have to go all the way back to college? Or? Uh, mostly college, uh, his first game as a Cleveland Brown, uh, that's about it. I mean, uh, there's some press conferences of him after a game against the Panthers last year, I believe, that they won, where he threw two touchdowns, 201 yards. I mean, but other than that, there's not not much to look forward to as far as uh, Brady Quinn goes. And uh, I know Mike was not very happy with that pickup, but uh, – I, I love um, Mike's straightforward personality, but I'm going to try and remain optimistic here. Uh, you, losing Sam Bradford, obviously, is going to be terrible throughout the rest of the season. There's Nobody's going to replace him, but the receivers have to step up for Callan Clemens. No, mat, no matter what, he needs to just get them the ball, and they need to make plays. The defense needs to step up, make their stops. That's the only way this season can be saved. Um, I, I know a lot of fans are were optimistic about this season and possibly, you know, getting a better record than last year, possibly a playoff. Um, I never like to quit on a season or say, hey, you know what, I don't feel good about this sure. year. You know, maybe next year, you know, we have two more first-round picks, another year in the system with with Jeff Fisher. I mean, it's the youngest team in the league, and I just think that some St. Louis fans don't have the patience to let them grow. When you see teams like Kansas City turn it around like they did last year and they're 7-0 and now, I mean, I know looking at that, it pains us as Ram fans to not understand why that can't be be us but with Kansas City I think that whole thing was just basically getting the right coach in there 
and they're a decent quarterback away. The talent's always been there. Not so much with us. I mean, we've been bad for years since 06. We haven't made the playoffs, I believe. So I'm uh, correct on that. Uh, I believe so. It's been a long time, Mark. I don't want to dip into yeah. the history books right now. I'm not in that kind of a mood. I mean. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Joe. I know you're a little <laughs> right. sensitive right now. <laughs> it, it's a sensitive day, man. Yeah. So, I, I, fans just need to be a little patient and let this team grow together. Maybe it's a little bit of a sophomore slump for a few players that are in their second year this year. I don't know. I mean, I mean, you could only make so many excuses, but I mean, we're going to see what this team is made of and if they could, uh, you know, face adversity as the season goes on without their star quarterback. And I really think that people are going to truly realize how much Sam Bradford meant to the offense with him missing. And yeah, yeah, no, you're right. It's going to be interesting. I'm interested to see, you know, how they build the pieces around it. When you talk about the defense and the running game and, you know, the options in the passing game, this is their chance to kind of grow without him. And if, and it's still a big if. If Sam Bradford is the starting quarterback week one, 2014, maybe there's a positive to be had that these guys can find some, you know, individual growth without Sam so that when you get to training camp and into the deep off season and then obviously in the preseason next year that they've built some kind of, individual strengths that they can apply towards the chemistry they might be able to build with Sam next year. Yeah, uh, I mean, next year, he's gonna, like Jeff Fisher said, he's going to be back to start the season. There's no doubt about that, as it sounds right now. And, I mean, maybe him being out and being on the sideline, taking a step back, he could maybe look at his overall game and correct correct some things. I don't think his game is going to take a step back. He could come back, you know, better and stronger than he was this year. I mean, the one thing that it's never a good thing to tear an ACL no matter what leg it is, but the fact that it was a left leg and it wasn't the the leg that he plants to throw the ball is, you know, that I guess if there's a silver lining, there and it is. We'll find it. Dig deep. Yeah. Dig deep and find and it. And as round hey. fans, we have to dig really deep. <laughs> we we have our shovels ready and platinum plated to weather the storm. The theme tonight, obviously, the question I've been asking everybody is, what do you want to see? You stuck through the show, and I appreciate it, man. What do you want to see from this team on Monday? Do you want to see fight? Do you want to see some, you know, passion on the sidelines? Do you want to see them getting into the game? Do you want to see, you know, the, the production? Do you want to see Zach Stacy roll off yards? Do you want to see a, a real play from the quarterback position? What is it you really want to see on Monday? I want to see them be able to get Clemens into a rhythm, give them some, some short throws, easy throws, just get them going, get the run game going, and – try and play mistake-free football. I know that's hard, and it's been very hard the last few weeks. We've had some bad luck with turnovers, but this game is, I mean, it's the Seahawks. They're supposed to be fired up every game. I don't don't necessarily like saying that, oh, well, just because it's a team that we should hate, that they should be extra motivated. As an NFL player, you should always be motivated the same way every week. It shouldn't matter, 
But, I, I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of emotion on the sidelines. Um, in no way am I going to say that this game is a loss automatically because our defense is very capable. I, I do want to see the fight in them. I don't want to see them get down early and just kind of give up and stop playing hard. They're playing in front of their home crowd, so they they need to bring it. And, uh, I mean, I know a lot of people don't want to hear this. and nobody, There's not a lot of Cortland Finnegan fans right now, but I think if he could play, he'll have something to prove coming back from injury. And, you know, our our secondary needs to play well. We need to keep Russell Wilson in the pocket. And if we could do those things, we might have a fighting chance in the end. You never know, man. Like like Luke said, <clears throat> kicking off the show, any given Sunday, even on a Monday. Mark, thanks for calling me, my man. Yep. <laughs> no problem, Joe. You take it easy tonight. All right, bro. Mark AZ Cats getting at us here on Tarsha Radio. I always like hearing from Mark. I feel bad that I brought him in late. I need to bring him in earlier next time because he's always staying true. He's a T1. He's our P1 for Tarsha Radio, and he's willing to stick it out to get his time. And you can have it, too, if you call us up next time, because we're about to wrap this up. Number's going to be 347-857-1022. Every Tuesday at 9 o'clock, we start getting stupid here on Tertia Radio with your boy. Three. As we close this out, as always, we got to look towards the college game. And with a retrained eye towards the quarterback position, uh, understandably, we're going to be looking at the college game a little bit differently on Saturday. And even not necessarily Saturday. you got some things going on uh, throughout the week. you got Louisiana last year, Arkansas State going down right now on ESPN2. For those of you who are football-starved, I don't know how you could be football-starved. It's Tuesday. There was football last night, you psycho. Get your mind right and get a life. I'm watching the game right now. Shut up. Uh, Thursday, you got a couple games. Marshall Middle, Tennessee on Fox Sports 1, Kentucky, Mississippi State. If you're that desperate for football, then you're me. If you're not, then you're probably you. Otherwise, spend your Thursday night doing other things and get it ready for Saturday. Friday is actually an interesting game. Boise State at BYU. That's going to be on ESPN on Friday. Uh, I'll be checking that one out. A couple good players for BYU. Kyle Van Noy obviously stands out. going to be a big pick. Looks like a late uh, round one, possibly a round two selection. Outside linebacker guy can really disrupt uh, the the offense in a couple different facets. Boise State's got some interesting cats, though, so it's going to be something to check out. Getting into Saturday, because that's where we're looking when you're looking for NFL draft stuff and scouting. Big day for college football. Maybe not the heavy hitter matchups that we had last week, uh, but a lot of those fell by the wayside when you had uh, some upsets for upset Saturday and things got shaken up. Um, so I think what you need to be looking at, per my producer, Douglas Morrison, is looking for a quarterback in the draft to develop. Right now, the power rankings have the, at Yahoo have the Rams 28, Redskins at 27, which means the fourth and fifth pick, should that hold. So let's think about that, fourth and fifth, quarterbacks. Um, you guys have my quarterback big board. If you go to our 2014 NFL Draft Hub, I'll throw it out. Um, you can check out my big board. Now, obviously, that was a couple of months ago. There's going to be some shifts if I had to redo it. But you know the names up there, Bridgewater, Mariota, uh, Taj Boyd, Johnny Manziel, Brett Hundley, Zach Mettenberger, Derek Carr, Aaron Murray. Obviously, I had as the number one overall pick in my mock draft. Um, AJ McCarron, Stephen Morris. A lot of people are really high on Stephen Morris. I'm not nearly as high as they are. A lot of people see Stephen Morris as like a day early day two pick. I don't see that at all. Uh, but we'll see. And there's a ton of options. You've got some, some late 
options going deeper into the draft. Obviously, Kenny Guyton from Ohio State has run out of time there. Keith Price from Washington. Logan Thomas, I, I, I'm starting to see people pick up on. Uh, I mean, the guy's got a cannon, but if you've seen him play, especially in the last year and a half, he's got everything you want kind of below the neck and nothing you want above it. So the mental game for Logan Thomas right now is just a mess, and it's going to be hard to get that guy cleaned up by the time he gets to the NFL. Uh, Bryn Renner out of UNC. People know I'm a big fan of Jordan Lynch in Northern Illinois. Has his fans. Nathan Schiehoff out of Illinois. We know we're going to hear from Brandon Burkhead about that before the season finishes. But let's get into the schedule on Saturday. you got uh, Louisville, South Florida at 12. That's probably going to be my main game for Rams fans to check in just because it's a easy game to get a look at Teddy Bridgewater. If you haven't seen Teddy Bridge, he is certainly a candidate for the number one overall pick. Uh, Louisville lost to Central Florida last week, who's now ranked number 23. Um, so their national championship hopes are gone. But if you haven't seen Bridge, he's an NFL quarterback, great delivery, uh, sees the field really well. I think the difficulty is trying to separate how easily he sees the game from the uh, level of competition that he's facing. I mean, look, the Louisville just lost to Central Florida. They're not a team that's stacked with talent. Uh, it is what it is. But you get a look at him and Aaron Lynch as a defensive end. It's definitely a game worth checking out. Uh, we can have a schedule if I'm going to throw a backup game in there. Probably Texas A&M, that's going to be a 12 um, Those are your early games. Getting into the rest of the day, Tennessee, Alabama. So I talk about Tennessee offensive line a lot. If you haven't seen them yet, you need to get in. They're about four deep in terms of NFL players on that offensive line. Alabama being Alabama, number one in the country, stacked across the entire roster with talent, although they just lost on Sari, their starting safety. Um, so going to get some new names back there. I think Haha Clinton Dix, Hassan Clinton Dix got reinstated. If you haven't seen him yet, I mocked him, if I remember correctly, to the Rams with one of the early picks. That'll be an early game to check out. I'm actually going to go to the Big 12 with my other pick, and that'll be Texas Tech at Oklahoma. It's another good chance to get OU after the big loss to Texas. And Texas Tech is now number 10 in the country, undefeated, under new coach Cliff Kingsbury. So you want to check them out. Not a ton of NFL-ready talent, but, you know, you got to pay attention to what's going on, some big systems going on in college, and that's what a lot of times affects the fortunes of these franchises. Others, however, rely on talent, and that gets us to the night games, and it's tough. you got two 7 o'clock games that, you know, between UCLA at Oregon, I know we've got a UCLA fan, and then you got South Carolina and Missouri. Obviously, we got a Mizzou fan, so I'm going to call it a wash. Watch whatever you want. Number 12, UCLA at number 3, Oregon. That's 7 o'clock Eastern on ESPN. Or number 21 in the Jadavian Clowney-fed South Carolina Gamecocks at number 5, Missouri undefeated. Both of those are awesome, awesome, awesome football games. And there's no reason you shouldn't get one of them in. I don't care if you're the coolest guy around and your Saturday night is stacked with social functions. Find a social function that lets you watch some damn football, man. This is America. Be real. But you're going to get some good quarterback play in those. you got, obviously, Keith Price, Marcus Mariota, Matty Mock, the freshman hopeful leading Missouri, number five in the country. Can you believe it, Missouri fans? You should, because uh, you guys have made it there. And getting through that SEC is no small feat, but that's uh, what's facing you on Saturday with South Carolina. Tennessee and Texas A&M still locked on the schedule. Late game, uh, obviously going to be the 10-30 game. Stanford at now, number 25, Oregon State, our old 30 is going to be excited about that one. Oregon State is only 6-1, and one, but they got that 4-0 undefeated record in the Pac-12. Their pass 
passing the ball insanely well, largely behind the passing talents of Sean Mannion. If you haven't seen Mannion, he's an interesting guy, man. Um, a little bit hard to evaluate from an NFL perspective. Uh, not sure that I'm completely in love with his delivery and his uh, his style, but do complain. Obviously, if you what we talked about all day, production versus attitude. If you're looking for production. I mean, the number one passing offense in the conference together with Oregon State. So that should be your Saturday. Obviously, we're going to have the open threads ready to go. They're going to be Jeff ready. They're going to be Brandon Bate ready. Even if he comes over and somebody blows out a knee, and I look over at Brandon, you did it again, didn't you? And wah, 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 kind of like that. Um, it's a slapsticky environment when Brandon and I get together. But I think what we're going to try to do one of these weekends is get a good um, – live stream. We're going to try to do some video either by YouTube or something else where you can watch along with us as we drink beers and talk about dumb stuff that dumb guys talk about when they get dumb. It'll be fun. But in terms of what we got this Saturday, it's a good weekend to watch some college football, obviously with some new perspective in terms of what the draft will provide for the Rams. You got a Sunday that's open, so if you need a Sunday that you need to go spend some time with some family, go do it. Otherwise, you got football that you can watch without having to be invested as a Rams fan. And then you got Monday Night Football where we face the Seattle Seahawks. We talked about it all night. It's going to be interesting. You know, without Sam Bradford, you're not going to be able to rely on much skill from the quarterback position. You've got to get it done everywhere else. It's going to be fun to see what they do. Until then, and obviously until next Tuesday, hit me up. You got us on Twitter, 3K underscore, and obviously personal times. We'll be all over the site. Get at us. It's your boy, 3K Rabbit.
Garbino, Speedball Brown. Fastest man in the whole damn town. Cars and ladies are a part of my creed, but more than that, I feel the need for speed. This is Tetris, how to make a run. With shade done, I can catch a BB in the dark. So now you're ready, and I'm sure you'll agree. The ramming is fun when you're ramming with me.
everybody. It's Neil Patel, editor-in-chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else you listen to podcasts, check it out.